0: you know all the way oh, and it's a Burnley 4-2 to go top of the league, Man City at the weekend, and who's got the hardest fan? It's Leicester of course, the phenom himself, The Undertaker is a City fan. All this and more on For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake, my name is Pete Selby and alongside me over the airwaves is Mr Rob
1: Hayes. Rob, can you hear me and how are you doing? Of course I can hear you. We have got the technology rocking and rolling. Ever since I moved away, we got asked this question actually the other day by um, some its new Italian Leicester City blog. Do we prefer doing it over the airwaves or or being sort of face-to-face as it were across the table from each other? Now, obviously I would prefer to do it face-to-face across the table, but actually this kind of technology... It it works for us, doesn't it? And it it really does enable us to get more podcasts out, if anything, because we don't have to be in the same room and meet in the same place. But yes, I can hear you. Uh, And would you believe that the Premier League is back up and running, and Leicester City have won back-to-back matches and scored seven goals? We have scored seven goals. I don't count the Premier League until at least
0: three games. So technically, in my eyes, we're not kind of top of the league as yet. Hopefully we will be after three games. That means we get a positive result at the at the home of Manchester City, but more on that later on in the show. Um so anyway, here we are and we are discussing a brilliant win against Burnley. Um a brilliant win which was predicted by many, which was expected by many but it was a 4-2 victory with two goals going in for Burnley, which were out great direct forward play and a header, etc. So those two goals will come on to. But it was the 4 for Leicester we'll concentrate on the overall performance. thought it was a very good performance by Leicester. Uh, in control, they looked sharp, they looked ready. They looked everything that they weren't at towards the end of the season. Scored some good goals, good performances. Came back from a goal down. Essentially, everything he kind of wants early season. Um, where they will go from here, we'll find out in, in the coming weeks. But overall, just a really pleasing win. And a very decent game, in fact, which you kind of want if you're live on BBC One on a Sunday evening.
1: Yeah, it was a very good watch, wasn't it? And a and, and perfect Sunday evening viewing, really. Your, your Weekend's done. And usually Sunday evening, is, uh, for, for most of us regular folk, is a... Uh, oh. Back to work tomorrow morning, but for a seven o'clock evening kickoff, I'd just finished my dinner, sat there, feet up, not watching it on a dodgy stream or having to having to go out to the pub to watch it on um on a on a big screen. There got it on BBC One, thoroughly entertained, and I'm sure the neutrals that watched as well were were the same. You know, six goals. Um, Leicester looked. Very dangerous going forward. Uh, we'll come on to individuals, no doubt, in a few moments' time. But there were some standout individuals. And it's almost like our season doesn't really start properly until the weekend. In the In the sense that the pre-season was, was tiny. It was so constricted into three or four behind-closed-doors games against some championship teams. And a lot of the players away on internationals are not fit enough to play in those so West Brom, arguably the worst, if not one of the worst two teams in the Premier League this season on, on current showing and current squad strength. So that was a nice way to ease ourselves in. And we did so. First half was a bit sluggish. Second half was better. Then you come up against Burnley, who are likely to be comfortably mid-table. Not going to set the world alight, especially with their lack of transfers and, and their lack of depth in their squad. But they presented us with a... Challenge, which West Brom didn't really do. So we got over that one, scoring four more goals. Yes, we conceded two, but, you know, by the by, you score more goals, you win. So it's almost like those two have been extra pre-season matches with the added bonus of us having six points from them. Yes, it
0: was a really good all-round performance and a good win. And it's pleasing in many parts, and we'll come on to the goals individually now, Wood always going to score against us. I thought, first of all, it was a really good play by, by Chris Wood. I, there, were, there were shouts for handball, more than shouts. Did it roll down his arm? Yes. Why wasn't it given? Don't know. The new rules are now It's if it's the sleeve upwards, etc., that would be shoulder. The difference between the shoulder and, and an arm is, I think, fairly easy. I don't understand the difference between them and the the, the problems and the complications that were in place last season there was the penalty for Leicester at home against Villa the last game where fans were actually in the stadium and it hit, uh, hit the shoulder I, I, I thought that was a shoulder and then there's been many occasions again against Villa in the league cup for example in Man City with the handball in the in the wall the plainly handball this this looks really really dodgy and probably it should have been cancelled overall it doesn't really matter but really good play and I think we can throw in their second goal in the same kind of breath, Rob, because uh, done their, their their centre-half, the young lad, again, against James Justin. Now, for these two goals, Justin was the guy. He was the defender with the centre-forward and the defender. Now, was it his fault? Was it good play by Burnley? Was it good play by the actual player in advance for Burnley? I think I'm going to go with... A little bit of six and one half does another for, for the two individual goals. Slightly more in favour of Chris Wood with the first goal because he is probably the strongest centre-forward in the Premier League because he did not move. He, he didn't jump for the ball. He, he did not move. And Justin could got nowhere near him. He's got such broad shoulders. He could hold him off and it was an instinctive finish. past the goalkeeper, no chance. Whether it's handball or not with kind of discussed and that's it's kind of finished by now so i just think that was really good forward play and pretty much any defender in the premier league who plays either left back or right back would have struggled against wood in that position so i don't blame justin at all the second goal i think you can maybe label more as a defensive error from initially a free kick and then you could have got maybe goal side, um you could have challenged more. It was a good header, but there was more time for Justin to get get goal side, get to the ball first, rather than against Wood. And so that would be the one I would label maybe just slightly switching off. Leicester were two goals clear at the time, and maybe just not hot not coasting, but you know, maybe just taking the eye off the ball just for a slight quick second, and that's why the defender got in front of him and ended and up getting his head on the board and scoring. So with the two goals, I wouldn't blame Justin for both. I would maybe criticise slightly for the second goal. But overall, a very competent performance by pretty much the entire side. And then when we start talking about the goals Leicester scored, that's the pleasing aspect and that's where highlights for individual players start to emerge.
1: Yeah, I'd agree with you on Justin. I think it's easy to lay some blame at his door because he was the man in the vicinity or the the man marking the the goal scorer for for both of their goals. But you look at the way that Burnley win football matches and typically it's by keeping a clean sheet and scoring a goal like that. They score goals like that against most teams in the Premier League. Chris Wood will score goals like that against most Premier League centre-backs now justin is a okay he's playing in the premier league for a premier league club yeah but really he his most of his experience is in league 1 at fullback now chris wood is not a premier league striker by by chance he's very effective at what he does in a team that plays to his strengths and it was very good centre forward play the the second one yes justin shouldn't really have allowed his man to, to to gain the advantage like that but you look at Leicester and we've said this before on this podcast although we don't want a Tony Pulis team of six foot plus players we will struggle to defend set pieces more than many other teams because we simply haven't got the physical stature that many other teams have so Justin is having to mark a centre-back and and that's just the way it is. That's how it has to be because we haven't got anybody else. Justin's not bad in the air, but he's not as powerful as a centre-back. So I, I agree with you there. It's sort of 50-50. Um, but you'd always, I think both of us predicted that Leicester would concede at least a goal. Um, and you always expect that against a team like Burnley. They're going to create something from relatively nothing or from a set piece. So the right idea now is for us to move on and focus on the four goals that we scored. We scored twice as many as them. We did.
0: Harvey Barnes scoring pretty soon after Woods scored, which was good in itself, the fact that they weren't put off by Burnley scoring first. And Leicester were always going to have more possession. And it was great for Barnes to get off the mark. We criticised his finishing once again in the first game, but he's off the mark. A fairly scuff finish, but overall still a goal for Barnes and that's all that matters I don't think it's the, the quality of finish really that matters, I think at the start of the season it's just a case of him basically getting used to scoring, seeing the ball hit the back of the net and then the confidence will come and then hopefully the more cultured and, and better finishing will arrive, at the moment as long as the ball goes in the back of the net when it comes to Harvey Barnes, that's all that matters, the The goal really to, to, to kind of focus on is the own goal because it was an absolutely fantastic ball by yuri Tillemans. you you're talking it's an extra couple of yorkshire puddings on your Sunday dinner it's it's mint sauce by the boatload this ball it was fantastic and it was it was easily seen as well because as soon as you passed the ball there was the split second of where have you passed that and then as it approached the defender you realized Hang on, he's trying to go beyond this defender when there's a guy a good five or six yards behind him at a slight angle. But then there's a there's a yard gap between them. But this guy's too far back, so he can easily just cover around. But it was threaded so well. And then Castagna, who had another stellar game, uh, managed to get the ball in, and it goes in. At least the ball went in the back of the nets because it deserved the goal. But it was that pass. And Yuri Tillemans has had two very... I'm going to put exciting games for Leicester because he's slightly dropped off. He's wearing the number eights, but he's he's playing a slightly further back, maybe a, a six role, as you would say, um, or a four, depending on which of those two numbers would be out of defence. And I like that because he becomes more of a playmaker. We, and I've said plenty of times it would be nice to see him go further forward, but at least you've got that option for him. So he's picking the ball off the defensive midfielder, whoever it may be, it was was Mendy. And he, he had a really good game, spraying the ball around, making an awful lot of quick, sharp passes that were quite obvious, but then some insightful passes, uh, getting the ball moving quickly, and the, also that one pass, which was the pass of the season so far and it will take a good one to beat it. There was one missed pass late on which I think led to the free kick which led to their second goal, but it was a misplaced pass in a in a, in a fairly easy position just maybe slightly relaxing too much, but uh, overall a, a really good performance by Yuri Tillemans and also you'd say Mendy as well. We we praised Mendy last week on the podcast for his performance against West Brom and duly so, he could easily have been man of the match. I actually think he will not get as much praise in this game against Burnley as he did against West Brom but I actually think he played better because I think he was, he he never lost the ball, he he, he was really efficient with his passing, again you're at home and you've got the ball an awful lot and it's an easy thing to do to pass to Yori who's just sitting further back but I think he was Absolutely, one hundred percent, the player that you needed, Mendy to be. I, I think he was really good against Burnley. But um, uh, the own goal goes in. Peters with the own goal. Um, Justin scores, and and then at the end you've got the goal by uh, by by Dennis Pratt, who has been a player who's gone forward. From Yuri Tillimans. He's been the player breaking the line. So he's not just been the number ten. He's been the player running beyond, say, Vardy, or running beyond the two wide men, whether it's going to be Perez or or Harvey Barnes. He's been getting to the byline and chipping the ball across for the goal against West Brom. He's been doing that against Burnley and then being on the edge of the area and pulling the trigger. With his goal. a Tremendous finish, great finish just after they scored their second. Great time to do it and it was game over. So overall the goals were fantastic but it was the pass by Tillemans and then that finish by Pratt for
1: the fourth. That really stand out. I think the big positive to take from all that is the, the, the how good our central midfield looks when you consider the fact that you would probably say that our first choice central midfield would have Wilfred Ndidi and James Madison in it. Neither of those two players playing there, obviously Wilfred uh forced to play centre-back at the moment, um, and Madison not fit enough to start the opening two Premier League games. So for Mendy to impress so much as he did, I totally agree. I think he was better against Burnley than he was against West Brom, and he was in our top three performances against West Brom, which is a a big measure of how well we think he's he's done in the opening couple of games, um, and and Dennis Pratt really looks like he started the season well. He will have known that Madison won't wouldn't have necessarily been in a position to start, uh, and I don't think he would have been satisfied with the uh, relative lack of game time from the start of matches that he got last season. So he's done exactly what you would expect an international squad player to do and states his claim for a place in that starting eleven. Now, you would argue Mendy has done that as well, but you would definitely say that when Evans comes back, it's highly likely that Wilfred and Ndidi would naturally step forward into midfield, and Mendy would be the man to miss out. But it's a real positive that then we've got a player like Mendy, who started the season with confidence, looks very fit, Looked efficient on the ball, which he hasn't always done in a Leicester shirt. To to slot him whenever you need him, and we will need him. And that's the reason he signed a new contract, is because we've got more and more games coming um, in terms of League Cup, in terms of Europa League. You know, it's two games a week. So he's going to be needed, and that's a huge positive. Pratt's goal was excellent. Tielemann's pass, the vision and the and the technique to execute it was outrageous. I mean, he's made Eric Peters look very very silly because at first glance, the the gap isn't there and the pace on the pass doesn't look anywhere near enough. And when you saw when I first saw it in real time, I thought Peters is an absolute mare there. He should be sorting his feet out, cutting that out, and Burnley should be sort of playing forward. But he's got no chance of getting there. He's in a decent position. He thinks he's cut off that passing lane. uh, And Tielemans could not have played that pass any better. And yes, Castagna, faultless again. He got got the official club man of the match, didn't he? But it was Barnes that got um, man of the match from other quarters, um, especially from the BBC from Martin Keown. Uh, And I can see why Barnes caused their defence a lot of problems. His finish was very... Calm and collected. He did a lot of the graft, um, taking three players out of the game for Pratt's goal. And all in all, despite the fact that we conceded two goals, huge, huge amount of positives to take from that Burnley game when you've got to say we looked good, but I think there's still another gear to come. Certainly so, and uh, it seems that
0: many of the listeners as well have agreed because the three word reviews were out in force. Uh, Jim Chapman uh, via Twitter at FFS Pod, uh, normal service resumed, which I think sums uh, it up perfectly, really. David Lusby says, Pass of the season. Uh, Paul Oliver Ollie says, uh, Belgians, Belgians everywhere. Love the Belgians uh, for Graham Janetta. Uh, Further down, the likes of Just Another Roberts says, Wonderful team performance. Uh, Richard Enriquez says, Vardy didn't score. Absolutely bloody amazing. Uh, Top of the league by Nigel Beecroft. And then there was uh, an awful lot more on Facebook as well. Well done, uh, and well done. Uh, Many thanks to those who got in contact via Facebook. Uh, We looked good, but made hard work of it. Not quite the three words, Ryan Adams. But, you know, still, it was... uh, Fairly accurate, I'd say. Maybe not. I want say made hard work of it. I can understand where he came from because we were so far in front in terms of possession and, and just general play. And at one point with just over 10 minutes to go, they were one goal behind us. But uh, I kind of get his point. Um Again, Belgians Belgium's right. David Lusby, um Oscar uh, de Pagano, who I probably said that wrong, uh, not there yet. Which, again, it is a cautionary tale, which I think is, again, fairly accurate as well. Patrick Hook says, uh, useless at corners, and then has a big conversation with Dave regarding going for a beer. So hopefully they've gone and done that. And overall, six points from the two games. You can't ask for anything more than that. And a pleasing two displays. Very, very encouraging debut. And then second game by Timothy Castagna. He continued that form from the Hawthorns. He looks a very assured and physically dominating player, but also with a good level head and a great footballing brain and no lack of skill as well. How Ricardo Pereira is going to then come into the side and if he's going to swap sides, etc., who knows? We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But at the moment, it's looking really good. Elsewhere in the team we've mentioned Yuri Tillemans. Now Ndidi will automatically move into midfield to replace Mendy and then defenders will come in, more than likely Evans and who knows who. And then further forward, whether Pratt remains in his position or once fully fit James Madison comes into the side, that's a different question. And then out wide, whether new signings will take over from the likes of Perez and whether Perez will then move into the centre or become a player on the bench, who knows, it's um, it, it's all up for grabs and there might be one or two issues with um, with one or two slight injuries because in the tunnel cam, I don't know whether you watched the tunnel cam Rob, but uh, it was noticeable that both Wilfred Ndidi and Jamie Vardy actually limped down the tunnel and into the changing rooms and I'd imagine and I'm absolutely no doctor at all and there's no information here but I don't think there's possibly any reason to doubt them for the game against Manchester City neither involved against Arsenal in the League Cup but um, it just shows you that there is at this moment people may be concentrating on players getting 90 minutes under the belt getting up to match full fitness when you've got to remember that players are still playing and maybe pick up knocks. So it's not the case of just players getting up to match fitness and then being able to play. You've got to look at the first team in itself and hopefully they're all OK to carry on and play the next game.
1: It does show you how fragile our squad is, though, because in our preview of the West Brom game, knowing that Johnny Evans, uh, James Madison, Ricardo Pereira weren't available, we we knew that the the squad would look very but looks slightly different on on uh, on paper at least. But we've been impressed with how those players have come in and performed. The likes of Mendy, Pratt from the start, Castagna straight in and straight up to speed. But it does show you the fragility of our two our squad that's too small at the moment. And Brendan Rogers has admitted that himself. If if Vardy and Ndidi were to be unavailable for for Man City, then. You look through the team, and and that's another two guaranteed starters unavailable, and it makes your life a lot more difficult. And those injuries can rack up and will rack up through the season. Uh, and those players have got to be protected where possible to make sure that the that we can put the strongest team out per game available. So we have recruited a new player since we last spoke on the podcast. Um, and I've got to be honest though after Brendan Rodgers rallying call the other week I I expected to be talking about two possibly three but there is still time
0: there is still time and we have signed a player Rob and as I speak mist starts to roll in the lights go down and Leicester have a new winger (laughs) That's right, we have a Turkish winger, Genghis Under, or Under to me and you, or The Undertaker possibly would be his nickname. What a link. What a few days for social media. What a a few days for fans of 90s and, in fact, actually all the way up until only a couple of years ago, I think, uh, wrestling with The Undertaker of all people, the Dead Man, the Phenom. Replying to a tweet by the football club, and what a f- the image? I got a message from my sister saying, "What's this about?" And it was—I think it was on Sunday morning—and it was the the hat and the leather folded up on the pitch at the King Power. And I am that's, that's that's the Undertaker, um, and it's, it's, it's this this geezer we've signed from from Roma, this Turkish guy. And then the tweet comes through, digging holes and scoring goals from the Undertaker. Amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan, a, a big fan. Not as it is at the moment, from what it was in the '90s and and and, 2000s, and Anyone can say the Undertaker, amazing. You know, proper proper favourites. And uh, well, that was it. After that, you got all the lines, all the the memes and the gifs and all sorts. You know you can just imagine him coming off the bench and walking along the the back of the seats on row to get to the touchline and all that sort of thing just, just it's brilliant and then there is actually the player itself who might not actually be any way related in terms of the undertaker before in his career in terms of his just his name because other countries in italy they might not have linked it to it's just us over here you know because we're and uh, if that's the case then fair dudes. hopefully he gets involved cause he looks like he's got a bit of chirp it seems on social media best mates with uh, Unchu from back in the day and obviously at, uh, at, at Turkey and it seems like he and in a very decent Turkey team at the moment they don't concede many goals obviously they've got a really good defender but it seems like those two are pretty much the, the main men when it comes to Turkey and a very very exciting player you can look at all the YouTube clips you like but this guy seems the business and if you wanted a player to be signed by the football club who is going to play on the right wing where at the moment Ayosi Perez is playing you want a guy to be quick to be fairly direct but also to have the ability to cut inside on the left but Alamares, that's always going to be the link at Leicester it's always going to be if someone ever does that it's going to be a oh, Alamarez but this is the guy this, this guy does that for fun and it's a very exciting signing. the The deal sounds really good. What three or four million quid for the loan, and then at the end of the season, we've got the option of them buying for a set amount. What an extra 22, 23 million quid. Overall, it, it seems a very exciting signing. And um, again, just back to the old Undertaker stuff. I if he start if he hits the ground running,
1: generally, I'm going to start calling him the Undertaker all the time, constantly. I feel like we've talked about wrestling more than we've talked about a footballer there, but quite right. It, it was a, it did cause quite a stir, especially the fact that we were playing on Sunday as well. So there was some, you know, you, you sort of wake up Sunday morning and you go, Oh yeah, we're playing today. Anyway, we're on, we're on this evening. I can go out and enjoy my day and catch the football at the end of the day. And then that kind of appears on social media and generates such a, a conversation and, and it sort of, um, it spread very quickly, didn't it? And it, it was quite a novel way of of revealing a signing. Uh, and the signing himself, got to say, didn't know an awful lot about him. But from what I've read since, it looks like he's quite unpredictable, which if Brendan Rodgers can make sure that that happens in the right areas of the pitch, could cause the other teams some problems. If he's unpredictable in the sense that you're not sure whether he's going to do his job defensively for the team, then maybe not so. But if he's unpredictable in terms of how he is in possession, trying things that you wouldn't expect, then great because really we we're kind of missing that flair player at the moment in that area of the pitch. Madison operates for me in areas where things are too tight for him to get away with things like that more often than not. He he makes these little turns and and the odd sort of outrageous pass or piece of skill but but generally it has to be a bit tidier whereas if you're out wide and you're one-on-one with a fullback or a wingback that's the time that you can try things. Barnes is less skillful and more about direct, being direct and being pacey so it'd be interesting to have that from the other side from under to, to sort of complement that and contrast that in a way with his individual ability and we've not done badly in terms of cult heroes, with left-footed right wingers over the over the years, have we knockout springs to mind as as well as Mares, Obviously, Gazal will uh, will gloss over, but Under comes in. Doesn't look like he speaks an awful lot of English, but he's got Soyuncu there to help him to help him settle. Uh, and it's not just like oh, it's another Turkish bloke, so they must be mates. They are actually very close friends. They've said it. Both of them have said it. Um, And they played together when they were younger at a club in Turkey. So it's really good. It seems like a good fit. And really, if it doesn't work out for us in terms of he just can't affect the Premier League in the way that he wants, then we don't lose anything. It's not a huge gamble in terms of we took £25 million at this Turkish winger from from Roma. It's more uh, let's get him in for a season, pay a little bit of a fee, see what he's like. And if he's decent and he fits in well and he wants to stay, then then that option to, to buy him at the end of the loan is a good one. Now, with any
0: player, it doesn't matter how highly rated they come as soon as they turn up at the football club. We as fans make our own decision and, and, and see how they play for the football club. That's all that matters. But... This is a guy, and there's not been many in the recent history who comes to Leicester with a reputation. Normally, we are the people who create the reputation, or they create the reputation whilst playing for Leicester. It it seems that from a number of uh, Turkish football experts on various uh, publications, on on radio, etc., have mentioned regarding under he's actually. Um, He seems to be a very good team player. He seems to be a guy who actually does go back and and defend almost to his detriment where he he really does work hard and he's all action and sometimes just burns himself out in games. And he seems to be a good egg off the field as well. So maybe not kind of the the showbiz winger who you might think, but a a bit more of a a kind of team player. And he's had a, a post already on social media and he spoke, Fairly decent English, to be perfectly honest. Uh, so it, it seems to be all OK there. We'll see how he is. But what I mean, um, he's he's already performed to a very high level, which, you know, you look at the, the past signings, it's not quite worked out that way. Um, we're normally the people, again, who give him that kind of platform. But... It looks to be a very good signing. We'll wait and see, but it's exciting. It's very exciting. And just again, just to touch on the old, um, Undertaker malarkey. If you have no idea what we were talking about then regarding that, don't worry. But it is quite a big thing. That was, that really was quite a big thing for me as well. I thought it was just fantastic. So it's not kind of been blown out of all proportion. It is, it is quite a thing. So we'll wait and see if he comes out at halftime next season or something. Oh my God. um, Anyway, he's in, and there might be a few people leaving. And those people we've mentioned before, the likes of Damari Gray, the rumours again, wasn't included in the first team squad at the weekend. And the, the drums are banging even harder now because he's been linked with one or two moves away. Wolves have been mentioned. Uh, and also, interestingly enough, um, and a geezer who most people will know or remember here in work for Radio Leicester, Jason Bourne, who's a football producer for Talk Sport now, and a person on, on, on social media, on Twitter, for example, who who doesn't tweets any kind of, just any old rumour. Uh, and interestingly today, Rob, I don't know where you saw it, uh, he tweeted very, very heavily regarding uh, both Damari Gray leaving Leicester And also Hamza Chowdhury saying that he wants first-team football, which is again is no surprise. He's now more than officially dropped down behind Mendy, you'd say easily, in the pecking order. So if the opportunity is there, and I don't think there will be a lack of suitors for Hamza Chowdhury, then that's a possibility. And he really did hint that both of those players will be moving away from Leicester, which we know about DeMari Gray, and we're probably not really going to carry on because that's a conversation we've already had. But Hamza Chowdhury, personally, it would be very disappointing because there's a really good footballer there and it's just a shame we've got someone like Wilfred Indidi in his way. It's good that we've got him, but it's a shame for Hamza Chowdhury. Whether he can work alongside him or develop, who knows, but if the club's kind of going beyond his level, then that's just the way it is. But it would be a real shame if he went elsewhere because I think he's a really good footballer and he's just not been given the amount of time in the first team to maybe seal his place but if you're a top Premier League club that we are you can't wait for players now can you uh, so really it's, 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 the, it's the Hamza Chowdhury show what would you think regarding him moving and also and I've not thought of this at all but what's, what sort of money would he bring because Gray's in his last year so you, you're
1: not going to talk an awful lot of money really but for Chowdhury what, what would he go for first of all i'd be very sad to see him go i i think it's it's brilliant that we've seen a homegrown local player come through the academy and break into the first team squad and, and largely on merit yeah they always get their opportunity well largely get their opportunities from from a handful of injuries and, and obviously that's how he, he he gets his sort of nose in, in the first place but there have been times over the over the past 18 months where he's been selected on merit to start games for Leicester City, which is a great position for him to be in, and it's a huge testament to the academy process and to him as an individual as well. Looking at our squad, I'd say it'd be quite foolish to to move him on, because financially we, we don't need to sell a player like him, I don't think. Um, ben Chilwell surely will have balanced the books for this year with the big sale, and if you're looking to maintain a squad that's going to go deep into the Europa League and is wanting to be competitive in the Premier League as well as the Cups, then Chowdhury is your sixth central midfielder if you're playing three. If you count Madison in that, you've got um, and Ndidi, Tielemans and Madison will probably be your starting three most of the time. And then you'd have Mendy, Chowdhury and Pratt as your backup three. And really, to have strength in depth at this level, you need two players for every position. So I don't see any real reason to get rid of him. But if it if it was at his request, and it was a case of him saying, "I need to play first team football," I, I've done. I've sort of done my time at Leicester. Although it's my hometown club, I can't see how I get any further in this team. Then fine, but I'd be sad to see him go. In terms of a price. I guess you've got to decide how much potential you think he's got or how much potential the the buyer thinks that he's got. But in the market at the moment, you've probably got to be looking around 15 million, maybe, with with a decent add-ons package, should he mature into a first-choice central midfielder for, for, for the long term for another team. Even the case of
0: maybe even having a buyback clause. I noticed there was a a supposed bid by Crystal Palace for Ryan Brewster at Liverpool, and it was for around about, say, 17-odd million, with Liverpool having the 37 million buyback kind of thing. That, That might well happen. I would be very sad to see him go. I think he's a brilliant player to have in the squad, and you don't want to see him then go elsewhere and really kick on, but needs must if it gets to the point where he decides he wants to go, you you can't blame him because he has dropped down and he's watching Papi Mendy, a guy who was out of contract over the close season, now starting ahead of him and having two relatively easy games when it comes to the Premier League and performing well and he's thinking, Well I could've done that and for one reason or another he's not been given the chance. So it would be a real shame Another player who's more than likely to go in the next few days, uh, Diabate. He's been linked with Trabzonspor with another loan. He was a loan at Siversport um, last season, if you really knew that. I To be honest, I knew it was away, but where he was, don't know. So I'd imagine Trabzonspor would pay the majority of his wages, etc. And that would more than likely be to the point of Either his contract runs down at the end of the season and he leaves on a free, or he moves for a nominal fee, whatever. But he's obviously out of the plans. And also we know there's a few other players who Rodgers is looking to move on, the likes of slamani and Silver. and there's been no word as yet on, on, on where they're going to uh, end up or leave. So at the moment, I still think there's plenty of players who will be leaving the club, coming into to the side. Uh, while the Fasana... Uh, Wesley Fafana at Saint Etienne mystery kind of continues, doesn't it, Rob? Because there were there were word that Leicester put a third bid in, and then he doesn't play in their game, be- their next game, because he's got an injury and he's on the uh, he's on the sidelines with a, a, kind of an ice pack on his knee, which looks suspiciously kind of fake. But whether he was injured and he still, by the sounds of it, by uh, his own social media, wants to come to Leicester, and whether they're just holding out for all sorts of money. Who knows? You've got the James Tarkovsky who wasn't playing for Burnley against Leicester. He's got a toe injury, which really does seem the I'm not playing because there's a very big chance of him moving. We know West Ham wants him, but why would you go there? And then you've got other players throughout Europe who Leicester have been linked with. So it's I'm sure they will get a new defender in, whether they go for the Fafana link, whether they go for... Tarkovsky with a say a thirty five million bid right towards the end of the transfer window because again that could be done in the matter of hours. It's uh, it's just a waiting game. But we know that they've got the money and they they will go. They will go for someone. First of all, they have to. But it's just a case of which one. Now we could ask. I could ask you, Rob. Which one do you think they'll go for? And it would just be an educated guess. I I, I still think this Wesley Fafana... Is a is a big player for Leicester. I think they really do want him, and it's just a case of ironing out some of the creases in the in the details of the deal for it to be done. But I, I, if I had to pin one person as the guy I think will turn up at Leicester, it's probably going to be him. Now I think.
1: Well, it's the one where the most of the noise is coming from, isn't it? And obviously, the rumor mill cranks up and will continue to do so uh, the closer to the deadline we get. But I think he is being singled out by many different sources as as the the main target. He's probably helping things along a little bit with some cryptic and not-so-cryptic messages on social media. Uh, Jonathan Tar's another one, German international, that's been linked with us as well. It seems to have fallen out of favour a little bit of Leverkusen. It is, it's just a waiting game. There will be, I can't. I can't imagine a situation where there's not at least one new centre-back at Leicester City come the end of the transfer window. Um, and we just have to wait and see really if if they can get the deal over the line for the right person for the right price for the club um we've we've got to not sort of lose our heads with this um and if the if the deal's not right for the club then then you can't sort of make that snap decision and go for it it's got to be right across the board um and if they're asking far too much money for a teenage center back then, it's, is is it a risk worth taking? That's what the club have got away up, but I would certainly expect a new centre back to be at the uh, at the club come the end of the window.
0: Yeah, I think so, and, and maybe even two. Who knows? They might go for that first team player, and even then, towards the end of the season or end of the transfer window, get a a deal done for say for Farno. Who who knows? We'll we'll wait and see. Um, now at the time of recording, most people will be listening to this. Hopefully. On a Thursday morning, for example, after the game against Arsenal in the League Cup, maybe even later than that. But Rob, we are actually recording this during the second half of the game. It's actually just finished, and Leicester have lost by two goals to nil against Arsenal. So we can now talk about the game in itself. And first up, the starting lineup. And who would have guessed the starting lineup really for Leicester with Armati playing? Uh, along with Morgan as captain and Fuchs as as, as they are back three, you got Albrighton, Brighton, uh, Keenan Kin Dusby Hall. Nice to see him start Thomas there as well. Gray, Madison, and, uh, and Iacho, which is kind of expected, really. And um, so a change side against a, a fairly strong Arsenal lineup, and we are out of the cup. We were going to play more than likely Liverpool in the next round. Now. I am not too unhappy about that. First of all, because I think Leicester played all right. Nothing spectacular, but they weren't turned over. It was a very, very late second goal by Arsenal. But overall, there's a huge amount of fixtures coming up. And if you're going to lose, lose
1: early in the cup. Yeah, there's no point in dragging it out, is there? And if you're going to lose, lose like that as well, because it uh, it was a very intense game. It didn't have the sort of... Sedate pace of an early League Cup match, um, considering the fact that that Leicester have only put in two Premier League appearances so far and changed all eleven players, you would you would be you would forgive them for the game being pretty slow and sluggish. Arsenal made seven changes, but I think what the main difference was tonight for me was the fact that we made eleven changes and most of the players that have come in to start for Leicester tonight. Are not necessarily knocking on the door to gain a starting eleven berth. They are squad players, backup players, uh, either young players or really experienced players. If you look through Leicester's squad list, there the only player really for me that is that could be thought of as, or well, will be thought of as a as a starting player for Leicester is James Madison, and he's only started tonight because. He's continuing his, his return to fitness from injury. Look at the back three, Marty Morgan and Fuchs. None of those three are pushing for a starting position. Brighton isn't for me. Luke Thomas is not. Um, it was uh, Chowdhury in the middle with Dewsbury Hall. Chowdhury we've just spoken about. Dewsbury Hall will get some game time this season, um, but he's not pushing for a starting berth at Leicester City at the moment. Gray definitely isn't. We've talked about him. Uh, and neither is Ianacho; He's not going to place Va- uh, uh, displace Vardy. And Ward isn't going to displace Schmeichel. Whereas you look through the Arsenal team, and they've made four fewer changes than Leicester. So four players that have played Premier League football already this season. Um, they've started with a first-choice keeper in Leno. You've got Saka, who's not been involved from the start for Arsenal yet this season, who looked extremely good tonight. You know, they've got players that really... Are a slight cut above what you would consider our second team, so I think that's probably why the game was lost. It uh, wasn't an awful lot in it, really. Arsenal had the better of the game, let's be honest, but you know, an own goal and then a very late second doesn't really um, sort of the scoreline doesn't tell the story of the game in that sense. But I think it was a really good workout for Leicester. The, the intensity of it. It was played at a high pace. It was another step towards full match fitness, really. And it won't have done any of those players on that pitch any harm to get 90 minutes in their legs so that they're ready if and when called upon in in the coming weeks and months. I suppose the highlights
0: really would be Daniel Armarty playing a competitive game for Leicester for the first time in just shy of two years. Also, their first goal. After being on top in the first half, I would say, Arsenal, again, an own goal, as you mentioned, Christian Fuchs. And then after that, Leicester got into the game, substitute Isi Perez with a really good chance, a good header, uh, but wide. And that was that was kind of it, really. After that, I don't think we really troubled the keeper in any way, shape or form. In the first half, uh, Madison hit the post, a, a, a lovely effort by him, came back off the inside of the post to the goalkeeper, but um, it was a chase a chance, really, by a good head of the ball in Izzy Perez. And then later on, Eddie Keto is a good player, scored their second goal. And, and I think it, it's it's an easy thing to say when you're losing the first round that you're playing in the cup, to say, right, we're at that cup, never mind. Uh, concentrate on the league, la di la But in this season of all seasons, generally, that's the case, isn't it? It is the case. And as you said, as you went into the two teams and and the and the lineups and the changes made, etc. It it's not the worst thing in the world in this season. If you offered anyone two wins in the league and then you lose not in any disgrace to Arsenal in the League Cup, everyone's gonna take that. To be honest, some people even might have gone, actually I prefer to have lost tonight, so we don't have the fixture next week up at probably Anfield against who know what For Liverpool, it could have been their youth team, their reserve, or their first team. Who knows what Jurgen Klopp would have done. Uh, Some people might even turn around and say that. It could actually just be a a good thing all round and let's look forward to the Europa League draw, etc. So, overall, shame we lost, but never mind. Let's move on.
1: And move on we shall. Shall we have a look ahead to this weekend or do you want to do fantasy football first? I'll put the ball in your court. Tell you what. It's definitely gonna be the fancy football, Rob. Play that
0: music. And for the first time this season, we're gonna have a full top ten rundown. Right, let's bring up the top 10. Right, starting at in 10th place, Man Gultai with Son of Zayek. 146 points in ninth place. Down, it's Ben Godber with FC Godber. 146 points as well. In 8th place, it's Gardner's Delight. Rob Ford, my mate Ford, on 148 points. In 7th place, uh, for Fuchs' sake, nice. Kieran Ford with 149 points. In 6th place, down into 6th. It's Luke Taylor with Taylor made on 150 points. In to the top five. In fifth place. Here we go. Pull up the in. Order the marching band. Get the cheerleaders round. It's Frank Sinclair own goal. Pete Selby. Boom, 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 boom. 73 points this week. 152 points. Top five. Uh, into fourth place. Uh, team Leu L-A-U. Um, Tyler who I'm going to go with that's completely wrong I apologise 155 points top 3 Vegetable Castagna, lovely name Stephen West 156 points and then the top 2 down into 2nd with Glenn's uh, Gludgassar Max Magnuson, 157 points and then out in front now this guy Ian Barker Uh, His team is called Stay Home, Eat Out, Get Fat. So again, another good name. He is clear at the top with 174 points. 157 points is in second, by the way. Only five points ahead of me. He got 122... 121 points this week. I mean, that's ridiculous. He triple-captained Hyung-min Son <laughs> who then went and got a hat trick etc or was it four goals at, uh, at, at Southampton for Spurs that's, that's just absolutely ridiculous whether and I'm going to you know I'm going to say it out loud Ian Barker if that was a fluke then there you go but if that was a genuine plan to have your triple captain the one for the season Hyung-min Son second game of the season away at Southampton well oh, hats off all round I mean it's an, it's an amazing pick but uh you know I'm gonna be a little bit skeptical but there we go he's top of the league uh that is the fancy football and if you haven't entered the fancy football then if you go on to our social media channels on Facebook or at FFS pod then you can find uh all the relevant details on there you can still enter now okay you are a couple of weeks behind but um If you've been playing fancy football and you want to enter uh, just for fun and you want to climb up the leagues and uh, try and get past a few further down, then the the code is 9VG, vegetable, um, what did I say for G before, goal, F3X, football 3 and x-ray. So 9 VG F 3 x is the code. Uh, So that's the fancy football, Rob. In 5th place, in your face. Now. the
1: league table does not count after two games we've been through this you believe that for the Premier League so it is true for the fantasy Premier League as well I had a decent week I'll get 80 points after a very slow start I'm somewhere in the 30s at the minute which isn't too bad but we'll we'll wait and see how we're going in a few weeks time don't get too giddy up there in fifth
0: I'm, I'm gonna take this I'm, I'm in fifth place that's fine it's how am i going to stay there of course not you're in 30 what sixth place there's 154 people entered so that's fantastic more than double what we had last year i think it's pretty much bang on double actually you know 76 77 last year so well done everyone who's got involved and it's still obviously early days anything can happen so, yeah, triple captain in Chun Minson. on my word uh so that's the fancy football uh a couple of things really to finish with rob uh We'll come on to Man City right at the end. Um the the next thing does link to the fancy football because uh we we kind of wanted a prize for this season. Last season it was the first time we did fancy football and um we, we you know, we asked the, the football club I sent a few bits off or tried to inquire and, and we couldn't really get anything from them, but uh this season we, we were adamant we were going to try and get a, a, a some kind of prize for the winner and we don't get any sponsorship, as people know, for the podcast. We don't get any external help for the podcast. It's just me and you, isn't it, Rob? Um, But we were approached by Premier League TV the other day uh, to go on Premier League TV in a capacity as a uh, a podcast for Leicester and just as general fans, and also through being commentators, they mentioned at the football club. And it was myself who went on uh, because of work commitments, etc. And it was regarding Jamie Vardy. And when anyone watched, possibly they would have seen my ugly mug on the screen talking about Jamie Vardy and the influence he has on Leicester, etc. His career at Leicester, his career beforehand and whether he's the question they were asking is either the most influential player for an individual club in the Premier League and I had to kind of back up the theory that it is Vardy which it pretty much is and then who else I thought would be in that kind of conversation and you know we're not going to we're not going to um you know hide anything here but you know they, they give a little bit of a fee absolutely nothing to shout home about but because of that What we've decided, Rob, haven't we, that if we get any work through the podcast, because they only got in contact with us because of the podcast, then any fees that we get will basically pump back into the podcast in terms of a prize. So that fee that was given, just a nominal small little amount we'll basically put it up as either shop tokens at the Leicester City shop at the football ground or maybe buy a, a purchase a shirt or so or whatever as a prize for the fancy football. And if we carry on with that and they want us back on, you never know, they might not after my performance. But if so, then we'll just again just recycle that money through and, 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 and build it up. So that's just just to let everyone know. And I'm saying that I don't want we don't want any kind of praise or well done or round of applause no but it's just to keep everyone up to date with how the podcast works and and going forward so that's where the prize for the fancy football is going to come from so if you did see us on there then then there we go because end of the day i think it's only just right really if they they want us because of this podcast that we might as well if we get anything from it put it back into the podcast because you know it's, it's kind of the right thing to do isn't it rob
1: it is it's the least we can do to offer a prize for the fantasy football. Um because most of the people that are in our fantasy football league are listeners to the podcast. And many of you I'm sure will have been with us for many years now that we've been uh wittering on. So the least we can do is give a little bit back to you. Um and as Pete says, we don't we don't monetize the podcast in any way. It is genuinely One of us texts the other, says we need to do a podcast. We're like, yeah, what evening can we do it? Let's get together. Let's do it. Let's record it. Let's put it out. Hopefully people will enjoy listening to it. It, There is really no more to it than that. Um, So it's nice that something that's come off the back of it um, has created a a small pot of funds with which we can put together some kind of prize at the end of the season. So if you just entered the fantasy football because you heard the code and you had a go and you don't think you'll check your team most weeks, might be worth taking a bit more care over it. And obviously, when I win the Fantasy League this year, I get to keep the shop tokens.
0: Tell you what, if my mate Fordy, who's in, uh, where is he, 8th place, if he wins it, which he won't because he's a fool, but if he does... Then he's not having the prize. He, we'll, I, we'll give it to second place because he's a Sheffield Wednesday fan. So, and he's not listening to this anyway. So there we go. Well, we haven't um,
1: created the small print yet for the prize winnings, but the small print will be created at the end of the season when we see who's won the prize.
0: Yeah, definitely. And and, and that's just the way it is. And again, we don't want any. It's you know, we're, we're not trying to blow smoke up each other. You know what I mean? It's just, it's that. That's essentially where it's come from. You know, there we go. Um, now. We do have a game, Robert, uh, at the weekend. Man City, small game, away from home. They looked pretty good in the first half at Wolves. And then Wolves came back at them, as you would imagine Wolves to do so. And then in the end, maybe slightly unlucky to, to not get a point. But maybe it was because it was Man City's first game of the season. Um, they had a few young players on the bench. And when you got Kevin De Bruyne you're pulling the strings and Foden running around... All over the place, but they they looked slightly more secure at the back, like Nathan Aki slotting in quite well. It's a it's it's going to be very difficult for Leicester, very difficult. But in unless there's a massive injury crisis at the Etihad, I think we are probably playing them at the right time because we've had an extra game, we've played two, one two in the Premier League going well and you look at their side and you look at their bench now whether that was Pep Guardiola playing kind of politics by having a load of youngsters on the bench saying look I need new players etc then fair do's but I don't think those players will probably come in in time for the game against Leicester and if they come in afterwards couldn't give a damn I think we are in with a chance now do I think we're going to get anything from the game generally no generally not at all But I think it's probably the best time to play Man City for those reasons. They still look slightly leggy and if there are any issues either because Leicester are playing well or some injuries etc then they don't have the depth in the squad at the moment it seems to replace kind of like for like as they would do or have done for the last few years. So I think Leicester should go there, get at them which, which we kind of say all the time but I think this this team that we'll be playing against is gettable early on, and if we do that and get a foothold in the game, then we're in with a chance. I still think we are up against it.
1: Of course we are, yeah, because if you look at most people's predictions for the for the season, Manchester City are in most people's top two still. It looks, regardless of how trim their squad is currently looking, um it looks as if they are still going to be stronger than the likes of Chelsea, Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham, whoever else you think is going to be pushing in and around the top four. Um, Not as strong as Liverpool. You wouldn't imagine if Liverpool can continue last season's momentum and form. But if there was a good time to be playing Manchester City, it'd be now. And some of our highlights, really, over the last few seasons in terms of outstanding performances, team performances for Leicester City, have been against Manchester City. And we seem to, more often than not, give them a decent game. And I think we'll do the same on Sunday. I think we've got some belief and momentum early doors from our two Premier League wins. I don't think tonight's result against Arsenal will have too much of a bearing or an impact on that. Namely because most of the players who will play against City on Sunday were not involved tonight, really. Um So I think we'll go in in a buoyant mood. I think that we will give it a go and we will be able to sustain the intensity that we need to be able to affect the game, I think. Are we going to get anything out of it? The optimistic person would say, "Let's let's get out of the Etihad with a draw, wouldn't they? Um, and I think we are capable of that on the day if if certain things go our way. At Manchester City favourites, Of course they are, but it will be. I'm looking forward to it. It's it's not always the case when you go to a team that are that are are as imposing as a, as as a Manchester City, um, and and think that you're looking forward to seeing it. But it should be an attractive game of football. And an entertaining one, and especially if Leicester's first two games are anything to go by, it could finish, I don't know, 5 2 to Man City, something daft like that.
0: I suppose when it comes to the starting lineup, the question remains on if anyone picks up an injury in the game against Arsenal, the one player you mentioned would be James Madison. Uh, speaking with regards to everyone being, say, fully fit, would you make any changes from the lineup against? What we've seen with West Brom, and then also Burnley. Would you bring in um, someone like Madison, for example? Would you bring in Jengis um, under? Who knows whether he's fully fit or not? Apparently, I mean, kind of the, the the rumor is then yes, he's he's pretty much ready to go. What changes would you make, Rob, if any? And and, and the main one really would be do you bring in James Madison to play in the position that Pratt has been playing in very well for the first two games? That's really the big decision, isn't it?
1: It is the big decision. And if I was Brendan Rodgers, I wouldn't. He started the same team for two games. I'd start the same team for the third game. I'd say, Madison, you got, not, you got um, a start in you on, um, well, tonight, Wednesday night against Arsenal. Um, Dennis Pratt's been playing really well. He bagged a goal. I think Pratt is more willing and able to do the defensive side of things in the centre of midfield when he needs to. And that will need to be the case because Manchester City are so strong in the middle. So I wouldn't change it. Th- in fact, the only change I would make is if Under was fit and had settled well, I would have him on the bench in place of one of the defenders. Because off the top of my head, it's been Morgan, Fuchs and Thomas on the bench. Forgive me if I'm wrong, I'm doing that from memory. But, you know, we can sacrifice a defender there for, if, we, if we're struggling to have an impact in the final third, have under on the bench um, if you need to bring on some attacking threat later on. But I, I think it would be a hugely negative um in terms of Dennis Pratt's management, to not start him against Manchester City. Madison showed what he could do in flashes tonight against Arsenal, hit the post. But I I think Pratt is the right man for the job at this stage for reasons of fitness, form, and just adding a bit more steel to the centre of the park.
0: I agree. The one change I would make, though, I would play uh, The Undertaker if he's fully fit... Purely on the basis of counterattacking, Leicester will be counterattacking, and if this guy is off a shovel quick, as as, as apparently had been said, then he would automatically be in place of say an Iosi Perez, because you'd you'd you could then have what you would imagine to be the starting forward three for Leicester is under on the right, Barnes on the left, with Vardy down the middle. But if you're looking for a Leicester lineup to counter attack, that certainly would be the team. I, I've thought maybe someone like a Gray could play in that side, of, that kind of role in a counter attack inside. But. Why not throw him in on the big stage? It would give him a a real boost. And on the understanding that he might play only 45 minutes and tell him to run around as as much as he can for for 45 minutes and then come off and and play Perez. I thought when Perez moved into the centre, actually, uh, uh, right before he was taken off against... Burnley, he um, he found himself in the centre and set up the goal with a nice move, it shows you he really is a more central player and maybe someone like Undare coming into the side yes it's taken his first team spot but it might move him inside, he might turn into a number 10 he might play the odd time up top into the Vardy, who knows, it could inadvertently be the making of Perez at Leicester and you still have the option of him playing out wide, but I would play him in that role. Uh, Apart from that, I agree with you regarding Pratt, I would play him. He's playing very well, he's fully fit, and he can also shield a little bit more when it comes to sitting back on your own penalty area under the cosh from Manchester City. You've got Tilleman sitting further back and Didi as well. And then with those three further players further forward, it, it, it really looks good. So I think having Pratt in that role with Undair, that complements each other very well. Uh, I I presume Madison will be okay from his game and I think he just needs um, he needs minutes and he needs minutes coming off the bench. I don't think throwing him into the start of a Premier League game is going to do him any world of good. He looks rusty. And there's no surprise, because he hasn't played football for a long time. It's been a fairly serious injury. You know, it really has knocked him, hasn't it? And I think he needs minutes before starting, because he does look, for me, quite rusty. Decent, and we know how good a footballer he is. But I wouldn't start him ahead of a in-form, flying Dennis Pratt. And of course, he's part of the tin-tin-tin and you can't break up the old tin, tin, tin at the moment because the three Belgiums are playing fantastically well. So I would be amazed if he started in front. When it comes to the game, it's going to be very difficult. I am hopeful. I'm looking forward to it. Normally, you kind of dread these kind of games. So I'm looking forward to it because in this season of all seasons, because of the no crowd, etc., which we're not going to go into any details because everyone knows the situation and it changes every five seconds. It's... There is kind of a little bit of pressure off and expectation as well, so I'm I'm going to be quite hopeful. I think Leicester have got a chance of getting a point here. I think if we are to get a point, it might be through possibly a goalless draw or one-one. I don't think there's anything else. I can't see it being proper end-to-end. If it is, and it's a high-scoring game, I can see Man City really coming out on top. I'm going to go. I'm going to go positive I, I i still think overall that there's a more than a good chance that we're going to lose but i think i, th- I can see us maybe getting the draw maybe a, a late equalizer through some way shape or form you know maybe a, a header from a corner uh maybe man city not being able to press home their advantage a bit like they did against Wolves. you know maybe in late on and leicester getting an equal equalizer at best that that's going to be my thing my my theory
1: I would also have gone for a score draw, so I'm going to stick my neck out and say that it's going to be a four-goal thriller. 2-2. Two, two. Oh, lovely. <laughs> Excellent. We'll go for the 2-2 two, two then. That would be nice. Uh,
0: so, it's been a fairly successful week. Two wins in the Premier League. Yes, we're out of the cup, but who cares? And we've got Man City coming up. That's it for the podcast. Many thanks for listening. I don't think there's any more, Rob, you want to say? Is there anything else? Any more points you got down on your pad that you probably not got?
1: I have not got a pad and I've got no more
0: points. Splendid. Get in contact via the podcast, uh, through the podcast, via social media, at FFS Pod for Fox 8 Podcast, on Twitter, uh, on Facebook, search for us, find us on there, and also on Instagram as well. You can Insta us, or Grammars, or whatever it's called, and just search for Fox 8 Podcast, and you'll see all the clips and notifications of new episodes on there. That's it. Many thanks for listening, and fingers crossed, next time we talk... We're three from three in the Premier League, how about that?